Welcome back to The Director's Diary. My name is Alex Palmer. This episode is all for actors and I've compiled years worth of notes uh, working with actors, doing auditions um, into a, a segment that any actor I think needs to hear and hopefully will improve the way you audition and the way you work. So let's jump straight into it. You're applying for a job. You've seen a call out come on arts jobs. You're at the email stage. I've got four or five pointers at this stage where it can really make or break your application. Number one, and it might sound really obvious, but get the company name right. So my company is called Riptide, R-I-P-T-I-D-E. It's all one word. It's uh, it has a meaning behind it. It's uh yeah. I mean we've spent we spent a long time coming up with the name. Um, the amount of people who email Riptide is two different words. It sounds really um, petty and small, but it really can get you back up especially when you're working with founders who, you know, they've they've created this company, it obviously means something to them, get the name right. It's really, really easy. All it takes is a Google search and or, or literally how, how they spell it on their website. The, the next thing that kind of follows on from that is do your research into the name of who you're emailing. Anyone can do better than to whom it may concern. Not only is this formal and detached, but it seems like you've just fired off the email quickly. We've spent years, or months at least, getting a project to this stage. Yeah, do a little bit of a research into who you're, who you're emailing. It, and you should be um, trying to kind of come across in a kind of personable way. So to whom it may concern doesn't really fit in that context. The next is to kind of foreground relevant experience and there's something to be said for the people that are firing off emails who don't have the relevant experience. I would just say that, you know, choose wisely the, the jobs that you're trying to select. If you're trying to kind of wing it, probably is not the right job for you. Also something we get quite a lot because our, our work is immersive and interactive, sometimes our call-outs will say something like, um, previous experience is needed for for immersive theatre or theatre that's not in a theatre building, traditional theatre building. My next thing is only mention a company if your previous experience is genuine and in the right role. So if you're if you've worked as a marketing assistant for a company, and to many this will sound like yeah, obviously you wouldn't do that, but the amount of actors who do that's why it's on the list. So um, even name dropping a company, even though the role wasn't an actor or the role wasn't quite right, yeah, don't do not do that. Just trying to understand why people might do that. I think it's because people feel like name dropping a certain company gives value to their application at this stage. I just think it gets people's backup if it's not relevant. And then, again, this sounds really common sense but it's uh, it's on the list for a reason work out there and then at the email stage whether you can actually take the job and with that I mean with your bases asking what the fee is 
Um, and this is to stop wasting people's time. We had several actors in the recent round of auditions that we just did where we said yes and they came back saying, oh no, sorry, we can't because of the travel and accommodations not included. Well, that was explicit in the call out. It's annoying on our our part because we could have called someone else who could have done the role and who could have actually fulfilled it without you know without the travel and accommodation we we put that line in because we wanted to meet local actors um and also it was an r&d so it was a small budget so work out if you can do the role and and if you're not sure if if the role or the fee isn't explicit the email to clarify is fine so you shouldn't be put off if if you're feeling like you're having to email and so the overriding thing at the email stage that i would say is on one hand, I know actors who try to fire for as many applications as possible to try and hit as many targets as, as possible, especially because a lot of this stage is a lot of rejections, and I understand that. But for most directors, it's not going to work, and it's just going to exacerbate that rejection problem for me. It it might work if you're the kind of actor where your CV speaks for itself, and I think you'll know if you're one of these actors for example tom hardy will get a role in any of my shows but a lot of people are not an actor with a big name so or or it might be because you've got a well-known organization on your cv and you think firing them off will help um in that sense um again it kind of speaks to a previous point like just because a company is mentioned it might not be the right thing so, so maybe your CV speaks for yourself and that's why you're firing them off. But on the whole, that's not going to be the case. So I would really cherry pick the best opportunities that you feel strategically are the best to go for in your career at the moment with your experience. And I, I don't want this to come across in the bad way. I don't want this to be like you should be self-censoring. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just... if I think it's especially if a role has previous experience needed i don't think there's a way of um faking it till you make it in those scenarios i think you'll get found out um so either that's about marketing yourself in in on finding creative ways around that problem if you haven't got the experience and kind of transferable skills and that kind of thing but that goes up to my my third point is foreground the relevant experience so if you haven't got the experience what else have you got that you can foreground it just stops the annoyance of when as a director or casting director you're going well why is this person applied um if they haven't foregrounded kind of the reason something i got asked recently was the importance of headshots um personally i don't put too much weight into quality of headshots i think if you can get them taken with a really good camera then that's great don't spend more than 100 150 quid on it i think is my advice we obviously need to know what you look like but the kind of different shots different characters different feelings i don't put too much weight into that kind of thing so if you're an emerging actor don't put too much pressure on having good quality or, or lots of headshots.
At this point, um, I'm kind of obliged to talk about showreels. It's an interesting one. I don't, I don't really have anything down written down in terms of the diary, but um, showreels really can make or break an application for me. And I, th- I do tend to look at them more than CVs, for example. Like I'm more interested in how you actually come across acting rather than off the page. So they do work, they are needed. And I think I would lean towards an actor who had a showreel rather than didn't. Because I do think it gives you a flavour of what you're getting. So a kind of do's and don'ts of showreels. Um, The don'ts are easy. So showreels that don't really come off too well are specifically showreels where the actor has a small part in the large a TV show, for example, for example, Doctors or Emmerdale, if you've got kind of small, extra slash um, smaller part. These, I think the theory behind it is that, oh, well, if I'm good enough to get into Emmerdale, I'm good enough to get into your show. And I can I can see the logic because it's obviously a national soap opera. The, the, the problem is this. The problem is it's usually too short to see any sort of talent or quality and I'm not saying that the talent's not there I'm just saying that the the role that you've selected for it doesn't really give us a sense of depth and the other thing is they all kind of have the same feeling to them of a kind of very high either very heightened emotion very kind of annoyed or angry or or a very um type cast role like a doctor or a police officer or a teacher, those kind of officiate officiate roles. So that might be fine for one actor, but when you start l- looking at showreels times a hundred, and you see all of these things, you're like, okay, well, um, yeah. After a while, it gets uh, boring is the wrong word. It gets the samey. It gets samey. Showreels that I think captivate me are either self-taped ones where you can literally show your craft and all it really all it needs is you and a camera delivering a delivering a, a speech and i th- that is all we need we don't need the the effects of a short film or a film it is literally the showing how you can act so there's obviously something to say about having diversity of um, which roles you can play, that goes without saying. But I also think there's something to say about... Put put yourself in the position of a casting director. They're seeing hundreds of these showreels. So what happens if the showreel um, starts with an address to that director? Because they're, they're always going to be a director looking at casting you so that you, you know what all these people have in common even if you're going for many different projects. So what happens if you, if it's kind of semi-interactive? You know that they're not going to say anything, but you you sit in your chair and you deliver a line. I know you're sitting there. I know you're expecting something grand to come out of my mouth. And and maybe, maybe you, you just act... The point here is that you're using the form of the showreel to show a your creativity, but also to stand out and to show your craft. 
So the fact that you're talking directly to that person, whoever they are, and you're interesting and you're captivating, then you're winning. Showing a bit of creativity in that sense um, might go. I'm just thinking when have I been captivated by a show reel and what what had that what were the ingredients of that and I think the best show reels I've seen have shown me surprising elements of either a character I knew well or where I thought the thing was going to go so as an actor I think having that directorial and kind of curator eye of really not not just showing the bits of acting that you think are good acting, but understanding where it's going to be seen and in what way. And I think punchier the better. So, you know, it seems you can get a lot in kind of 20 seconds. And I think I would rather have kind of five 20 second things um, over a minute and a half of one scene, I think. If you're going the traditional route, I think if you're trying to break the mold, one speech works better probably. Because because I think that shows creativity in a different sense. I also think there's a tendency to show in your show reel roles that you have done. So that comes through where you show things like short films that you've been in, etc. I see the show reel as an opportunity to show what roles you want to do in the future. So if you're an actor listening and you have wanted to play a role forever, learn the script, learn the monologue and portray your version of that character to casting directors. They might not be doing that specific role, that play, but putting yourself in the positions of those characters will help. Okay, let's fast forward. Congratulations, you've you've just got the call up. You're you're in the room. You're in an audition. The number one rule for me is don't be late. But if you are late, uh, be great. Let's rhyme. Why not? Um, so I had an example recently which I would share with students who I teach to learn about how how you enter a room late. It was brilliant, actually. They they were late by about 10 to 15 minutes. They were very apologetic, very smiley. And they didn't come into the room and disrupt things. They, they came in quietly. And so the kind of temperance when they came in was soft and apologetic. And we were in the middle of this kind of weird improv game thing it was weird and it was it was actually planned to get actors out of their comfort zone and see how they would react. But the room had had chance to warm up to this. And the way they dived straight in and were open and receptive and the, in quotes, yes and type of person, all of those things worked massively in her favour. And for us, especially a company who really hires actors as collaborators and as an ensemble rather than characters we kind of try and fit characters around the individuals we we choose they really show that they could collaborate and could work outside their comfort zone 
work well under pressure, work well in a team. It moved towards that rather than um, the initial response, which would be for anyone, I think, is we don't value your time enough or you're not a good timekeeper. If you can't make it on time for an audition, how are you going to be on time for rehearsals, for example? Um, Yeah, so I think don't be late, but if you are, be great. The other thing is storytell. Actors are storytellers. Part of the... When interviewing lots of actors, this is the main thing that they said. They, they love to storytell. But in an, in an audition, you're kind of... You're not playing a character. You're playing a version of yourself. It's kind of like dating, I think. You're just putting on the best version of yourself. For me, my advice would be if the character is not explicit in either a text you're reading or an exercise, create one. Create a story. Create a compelling reason for you to be doing what you're doing. Um, Directors, producers, choreographers, I think, see past when an actor is just doing something for the sake of being interesting or being... um, or difference or you know whatever it is have a reason to do it create a story even if it's a mini story don't just do something for the sake of it because you're you've kind of drawn a blank that might not be the most uh helpful thing if you have drawn a blank but having heard this now make stories that could possibly come up in the audition that's what it is it's about pre-planning it and knowing what type of thing you're auditioning for and therefore what stories are potentially attached or could correlate. That's what it is. So it's less, um, if you're drawing a blank, don't. That's not what I'm saying. It's um, storytelling. But you can you can pre-plan that. And I think the other thing is, and that, that doesn't work in terms of if, if it's a character, but something that I heard was that really hits with me is put your own spin on it. So don't, I think a lot of actors come into the room and portray something that they think we want to see. It's not, it's off, well, it's never what I want, actually. And I'm, sometimes I'm not even sure what I want. So doing that won't work. But putting your own spin on it and being unique and really, uh, it's a bit of a gamble because if you're too, if you're too far one way, you could feel like you, you're just never going to get the job. So people try and play it in that kind of middle ground. But I think the middle ground is really overcrowded and you're more likely to be seen and remembered, especially if you're um, on the outskirts of that bell curve. As a director, how you are in a workshop audition setting is how is a really good opportunity to get a sense of how you're going to be in rehearsals. So open, full of ideas, trying new things, not necessarily trying to get it right in inverted commas, but seeing how you are to work with. That's what I'm trying to get at here about the portrayal of a character. And the other thing that, l- that really links to this is leave it in the room. Um, and by that, I mean, give everything. I would love to know um, across the years, the actors that didn't get cast for the things that we auditioned for, if they genuinely felt like they'd given 100%, like 
like genuinely given 100% been the most creative person that they could have possibly been because I think a lot of them will say they didn't and I think that's the reason why they didn't get it it's not I think as soon as you get to audition stage I think as soon as you get to audition stage a director or a casting director or a producer whoever's called you has seen something in you that you could have got the role like you could be in the show so for that reason you give everything because you're not going to do something that's wrong in that sense because they've already they already like you enough to invite you into the space and having said that there's obviously horses for courses certain actors are better suited than others at certain roles there's a skill set previous experience all of that at play but in my experience there's a kind of unspoken feeling in an audition when an actor is really genuinely open to anything and is is receptive and willing to be bent for the duration of the time there take on direction and and genuinely change what they did and have practiced that is a real skill and something that you can hone it at home you sit in front of a mirror record yourself do it one way do the next thing like a newsreader do the next thing like a commentator at the races do it do it the next thing um as if you're breaking up with someone there's a thousand contexts for the same speech but can you get there and it's i don't think that's the same as well i'm not going to do that because i'm never going to read hamlet's opening monologue like i'm breaking up with someone that's that's not the point the point is can you do it and the being able to do it and being able to change from what you have practiced is a such a valuable skill for a director they may never want you to do that in the real thing but they want to know that you can do it that's the thing because i think a lot I mean, I might, might be speaking out of turn here, but I think a lot of actors self-censor and go, well, I know it's not going to work like that. But they don't, that's not the point. That's not the point. So so can you be moulded for the time of the duration, for the time of the duration, for the, for the time of the audition? Because for, for a lot of auditions, actors become the clay of the sculpture. And in audition, this is the usually the first time that directors see their vision in the flesh in the room it's the first time that writers see characters where choreographers see possibilities designers see blueprints that is the first time it comes into the room so there's a there's a kind of energy to that and also from a director's point of view a desire to play and to see how different things work and and often don't work it's it's my time really to get things wrong and to see how people take the failure and whether they can just move on. You know, I'm talking actors here and kind of, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. You can learn a lot by that. And there's a, there's a lot to be said about um, growing thick skin, but also having a kind of receptive receptiveness to emotions. And those two things I know don't really work together hand in hand. There's a lot, I think there's a lot, and the cliche is, oh, fall in love with rejection, that kind of thing. And yes, to an extent. But if I was mentoring actors, I would say this. I would say, you are the solution. We, the creative teams of the country, of the world, we need you. Without actors, our things, our ideas don't get made. 
I think um, it was Michael Keaton who said that his career completely turned around when he shifted his thinking from going to auditions to, well, I'm going to work. And going to work in auditions, you need a different mindset. And for me, when I heard that, I think it's profound. Going to work in auditions. So think of all of the things that that means. That means how you prepare, how you journey there, whether you're late or not, how flexible or not you are. My mum would always say, um, imagine you've already got it and you're just doing a kind of winner's version, you know, like in X Factor, the winner would also, also sing the song at the end. So just you're just going and just showing them how, how it's done. And I think there's kind of a parallel there, but the, the Michael Keaton going to work is, I, I think, is revolutionary. And I think you can tell the actors who, who are doing that rather than the actors who are just going to an audition. So I hope that's been useful. I hope you've taken some things away from it, um, at least. If I could ask one thing for you to do today, it is to rate the podcast five star. Obviously, would be lovely. We did a bit of research and about 75% of people who have listened have not subscribed or rated the podcast so the the higher the rating the the higher the rating the higher the podcast goes in the in the charts and also the better guests we can get on so the quality improves so you are you are helping us but hopefully we can then repay that favor thank you very much and see you next time